You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to another special holiday edition of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, and we are going today to have part two of my conversation with Royce White, the former Iowa State basketball star and NBA first round pick, uh, mental health advocate, and just uh, one of the smartest athletes I've ever encountered. Uh, Royce and I were having a conversation about George Floyd and his uh, support of George Floyd and the kind of the protest movement, and and we we just didn't we couldn't cover it all in a thirty-minute part one, and so I said, Royce, we're going to have you back for part two, and so here that is today. Uh, because I wanted to give Royce a chance to continue to expound on this point. It got kind of contentious at the end, but not in an unhealthy way. Just two guys, two grown men, uh, trying to figure out what each, each one thinks and trying to make their points. And so, uh, Royce, uh, welcome back to the show. And I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation over the next 30 minutes. And, and I, I think we got into it at the end about what you were calling a little sleight of hand, and, and I took it kind of personally. Oh, no, you talking about me? I'm someone that whole point of view is driven by the fact that uh, the black family and the black man have been undermined, and I've been talking about the Moynihan Report in 1965. There was coming out of the civil rights movement and was talking about investing in the black man and the black family and how it was smeared by corporate media. And then we went the whole other direction. We went great society and empowering the black woman and the, the dysfunctional or single parent family situation. And so I probably got a little defensive, but I wanted to give you the opportunity, I wanted to give us the opportunity to extend and expound on that conversation. And so, you know, I'm someone that, you know, the whole point of this show and what I'm trying to get across is like, men, family must be invested in if we're going uh, to get this country headed the right direction again. Well, thanks for having me back, Jason. You know, I appreciate it. And, and first of all, I want to say, you know, you know, I love you, man. You know, I love you. Any any uh, dispute intention we have is is completely healthy. And and I think we should invite it. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about our conversation a little bit um, after we finished and I want to try and make it more concise. 
and then we can we can go where you would like to go. Because my point about this entire George Floyd slash authoritarianism versus citizenship is is pretty quite simple. Um, and it's simple in the context of the way that the narrative plays out uh, in between the political aisle with with, uh, with regards to the political football. And so my biggest point is that as soon as we open the door to use an individual's character or their past as a means to justify an abuse of authority or power by the state, we set up a slippery slope that many of us end up at the bottom of. Um, you know, you can look at, I mean, just look what's happening to Steve Bannon, right? Look, look what's happening to uh, Edward Snowden. Look what's happening to Julian Assange. Uh, look, what's, uh, look, look what happened with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, you know, and, and those are different cases completely. But my point is that when the state wants to, when the state wants to abuse their authority, and we have seen that they're willing to do so, and we know that they are corrupt, there's evidence that they are corrupt. When we allow a person's character or their past to justify their corruption and abuse of power, we all become endangered by the abuse of power, especially in times where there's a rise in radical authoritarianism. And I think the the warning over the horizon or the, the smoke over the horizon is the vaccine mandates. And we need to understand while many people will rightfully say that George Floyd didn't comply and that we could come up with a, a bunch of scenarios that would have played out had he complied, we also have to understand that there will come a day when a tyrannical state will ask for our compliance and things that we should not comply with. And at that time, if they have the media in their pocket and they're able to control the narrative, people will, I mean, in California, for example, there will be mothers who say, I don't wanna get my kid vaccinated and I'm not sending them to school if they have to be vaccinated. And they will be brought up on truancy charges. And when those truancy charges follow through and the mothers still don't comply, police officers will be at their door to either A, take their children away, uh, you know, with, with child protective services or arrest the parents for probably a contempt of court or some some trumped up charge like that. And all of those things are a sign of a radical authoritarianism that we need to fight back against. Royce, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy I'm about to reference, but he's a podcaster that speaks to a specific audience. Uh, he, he calls himself Chronicles of Judah. Uh, you know, I can't endorse everything that he says, but he is someone. I've listened to his podcast. I think I've supported his Patreon account, I think, in the past. <clears throat> and he loves to talk about a ruling class mentality. And he says that oftentimes, what he calls so-called black people because he doesn't really believe in these superficial race labels. Uh, we don't have a ruling class mentality and we don't understand the responsibilities that go along with rulership and leadership. And, and I kind of agree with him. And I say that because I think Derek Chauvin acted incompetently and should have been charged criminally, but I don't think there was malicious intent and I think that anytime you're in law enforcement or you're in government and you're trying to maintain order in a city, there's gonna be some mistakes made. And when you accept the responsibility of rulership, leadership or whatever, you also are accepting the fact you're going to make some mistakes. 
happens to me in trying to lead and, and uh, inspire the team of people I work with on Fearless and in other positions. And so that's where my lack of understanding of your, because there is going to be no perfect government that's not going to occasionally misuse through incompetence or whatever its power. And so are we really holding law enforcement to a fair standard? Well, I think that I think there's two parts to your question. Uh, number one, I don't think that anybody should expect a perfect system of governance. But I, I'll address this first. I do believe that the police have been improperly placed as a pawn between the state, the corporatocracy, and the free people as this intimidation tactic. But you got to realize the police are the lowest rung of the military-industrial complex. And the military-industrial complex's MO globally in this global, quote-unquote, free market democracy capitalism project that we've, that we've tried to, which is, which is really the last empire on earth, um, one of the main mechanisms is to intimidate and to, to intimidate a free people into submission, into order. And the police have been utilized in that improperly. They've been neglected and, and they've definitely been, uh, you know, they've definitely been bait and switched when it comes to the narrative that the people receive from the media. So I feel for the police officers and I feel for their job and what they have to go through every day and the tough decisions they have to make. I don't think George Floyd's situation is an example of a tough decision by any means, by, by any standard, uh, first and foremost. And I think there are a bunch of examples where um, the police's decision making is not as hard as we would make it out to be in your theory. But let me, let me separate this first. The system of governance is not, is not being uh, expected to have perfection. We are so far from perfection, it's scary. Okay, and I, I think I'm all for rule of law. I believe in the rule of law. I believe in authority. I believe that a state should have a monopoly on violence um, and that the state should be able to uh, do everything it needs to in order to maintain order. But then the presence of corruption has a very high premium then, right? And, and when the rule of law is undermined by rule, by, by law bakers who are bought and sold in the most corrupt way, then it puts the system and the state in a very bad moral position. And I think everybody is aware of it. I think that's the underlying tension between the free people and the state that needs to be sorted out. And it needs to be sorted out like yesterday. Because yes, a police officer has to make tough decisions. When a police officer makes an improper decision in a time where the level of corruption is so high and the rule of law is being undermined in, in such a way, it carries a unique, it carries a unique signature and it has a unique effect on the spirit of freedom, justice, democracy, um, and the rule of law. And, and I think, yeah, we're, we're not asking for the system to be perfect by any means, but I, I, I don't wanna set up that false equivalency. See, I, I see what people are doing with attacking George Floyd's character or giving the police an out and saying that they're not gonna be perfect is that we don't want the burden of have to revolt complete 
completely, 100% against the status quo. See, the, the, there's this claim that the divisions in, in society right now in America are like Republican, Democrat, black, white. And, but there's only two divisions. There's people who want to be free, who understand what freedom really means. And there's people who are okay being ruled. And you're right. I think black people don't have a ruling class mentality. And I think we need to change that pretty quick. And if we did, if we did, you would, you, you would see more black people question, why is it that a police officer can put my life in danger and I have no recourse? That's a monopoly on violence patently, especially if I'm not doing anything criminal. Now, George Floyd was doing something that, that could be considered criminal. I don't think it was very criminal, to be honest. I think it was pretty, pretty petty, but he was doing something criminal. But there are plenty of people who encounter the police that abuse their authority and power who aren't doing anything criminal, and they put civilians' lives in danger. And in that instance, a civilian should be able to protect themselves against a cop, just like any other citizen. And after the fact, the police shouldn't be protected by the state with qualified immunity. There's some of that, you know, I, I can agree with, but there's also just some of it that I, I just, I can't get behind because at the end of the day, I am responsible for protecting myself. That, that falls on me first and foremost. And so when someone clearly identifies themselves as law enforcement and they got a gun and you know that they're backed by the state, none of these things are like secrets that George Floyd shouldn't be aware of, like Derek Chauvin and those guys, they got badges, they got guns, there's several of them. And so my, my ego isn't such, and I got a big ego, a massive one. And I like to think of myself as masculine and as someone that doesn't take a lot of shit, for lack of a better word. But I'm also just a logical person. And so I go, you know what? This deck is stacked against me. They got the gun, the badges, the backing of the state. So just comply. Tell them whatever they want to hear so that they leave me alone and I can continue to, to move on. That is my mentality. I, I understand, Jason. But, but we got to separate this out, okay? I understand that if you get pulled over and a cop's being an asshole to you, and, and, and your ego comes into that situation and you go, you know what, this cop is really being an asshole and he's abusing his authority and I would rather say something, but I understand it could escalate into something else. I'm going to let it slide. That's one thing. But what I'm telling you is that across the board at mass, when that normalcy starts to creep into our culture, we start to lack the fervor to revolt against bigger tyrannies when the time comes. And we are at that stage now. You're talking about petty interactions with cops where you can pass and let it slide. I'm talking about the FBI going, uh, uh, the United States Congress sub giving a subpoena for Steve Bannon that's completely unconstitutional and bringing down the full weight of the state and potentially violence against citizens. Okay, those are two different things completely. And my bigger point is that yes, it's, it's not about ego necessarily. What, what, it's, what the question is, and, and let's take, let's just ask this question as, as, a, as a way to frame it. People are quick to talk about George Floyd and his character or being on drugs, right? 
But nobody wants to ask the question of why have we given a monopoly on violence over to a state that's corrupt in its lobbying mechanism and the way our elected officials have been uh, have been placed in positions of power? Or let's just talk about police more particularly. They have one of the highest alcoholism rates in any profession of our society. So you give a monopoly on violence over to a group of individuals that are, by statistical measures, intoxicated. And so do we breathalyze a cop before they go on patrol? I think that seems like a very reasonable standard. But you could see where the state would push back on that because they like the monopoly on violence. There's a propensity towards authoritarianism and totalitarianism and we've all become accustomed, accustomed and well-adjusted to it. That's my only thing. I'm not saying that George Floyd wasn't wrong for not complying. I'm saying don't get caught up in thinking and telling yourself at night that if I just don't do what George Floyd did, then I'll be safe because it's not true. And I could point to a number of examples of people who weren't in the wrong, who weren't criminal, and still became victims of a, a tyrannical state that was abusing their authority and power. And it's going to come down on our kids first. The state of California right now is mandating that children get vaccinated in order to go to public school. What do people think is going to happen if those parents reject that and don't send their kids to school? The full force of the so let's not make it about George Floyd. George Floyd is a is is a particular example. It got a lot of hype because of the way we saw it, because of the history between black men and a white state. But he's he's not the he's not the issue. The issue is that there's a state that's that's power is out of control and the citizen has lost their individual rights and their ability to push back against the state we all know if we get caught up in the court system not black people all people if you get caught up in the court system you get a corrupt da you get a bad judge you know you get you get a a, a, a you know a number of uh, circumstances you're not going to get a fair trial this is a monopoly and it has to be addressed in order for the idea the spirit of justice to be upheld in this country. Doggy. Mm, mm, mm. That was a mighty fine song you got right there, butter. Thank you, thank you. Well, look here, Uncle Jimmy wants to tell you a story and I'm gonna need you to pipe down for a minute. You think you can do that for me? Right, no problem, no problem, partner. I enjoy a good story. Listen up here, man. America's changed. I'm not sure it's changed for the better, you hear me? I remember time Americans was raised on Western movies. You know, the stories that captured the good old American spirit. Freedom, know-how. Remember back in the day you'd have a brothel filled with loose women? Hey, get a good shot of whiskey and when some bad shit went down, a cowboy would ride into town and set things are right again. Like John Wayne. Searchers. Well, I'm more so speaking about like Jamie Foxx and the Django. <laughs> Clint Eastwood, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, that's all right, but I'm I'm more of a Samuel L. Jackson and the hateful eight. Yeah, yeah. G- Gary Cooper. Mm, high noon. Oh, that's good. Uncle Jimmy done seen them all. I done seen them all. I done seen the Lone Ranger. I done seen Gunsmoke. Shane. And all our heroes, the good guys, they had the odds stacked up against them. No help. Had to do them all by himself. But he mans up and he beats the bad guys. 
seems like we just don't get movies like that no more. We don't know the good guys from the bad guys. Everybody act like they confused. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, they sure do. Anyway, look here, man. Uncle Jimmy wrote him a little old school Western movie. And man, I'm gonna get that fat nephew of mine to get me in front of one of them big studio executives out in Hollywood so I can pitch my movie to him. I do believe that they gonna love it. <laughs> yeah, Jason, he sure is fat. <laughs> yeah. Don't nobody call Jason fat but me. Come on. Listen, anyway, anyway, that's my nephew, okay? The movie is my adaptation of Pale Rider. You ever see Pale Rider? Yeah, it's a classic. Whew. Clint Eastwood, he was. He was a preacher. Okay, okay, listen. Take a listen, buddy. Listen, this is this is my story. See, it all started out in a frontier town called Kenosha. There was this mean cuss by the name of Blake. Man, he'd been in and out of trouble for years. And then this farmer went and beat up a woman. He sexually assaulted her, and the judge finally issued a warrant for his arrest. Well, when the sheriff and his deputies came a-calling to get him, there was this whole dust-up. And man, just about everybody in town, they had a different story about how it went down, but the long and the short of it is, Blake wasn't about to surrender quietly to the sheriff, okay? Well, and, and he was trying to escape, and he jumped in his wagon, but the wagon had kids in the back of it. And also, up under the saddle of the mare, he had a knife. Well, when, when Blake went for that night, all he heard, pop, pop, pop. Sheriff and the deputies put old Blake down. Now that some bitch Blake didn't die, mind you. Now he darn sure was crippled for life. But let me tell you something, Blake ran with some powerful outlaws. They went by the name of the BLM gang. They got that name BLM because they burned, looted, and murdered all across the West. And the BLM gang, well, they thought that the sheriff and his deputies were wrong. And they thought that they shouldn't have shot Blake. So they did what gangs did back in the old West. They, 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 they started terrorizing the whole town to get revenge on the sheriff by burning, looting, and destroying property. And the mayor, and the governor was scared out of their minds. They went through the sheriff, the deputies, and in the time, little old Kenosha's greatest need, well, the law skipped town with their tails between their legs. So the BLM reign of terror got worse. Old people got beat up. One livery, they burned down and wiped out over 100 horses and wagons. Now, now this right here is where our hero enters the story. He's a young wannabe gunslinger named Kyle. They called him the Pale Rider. Now, man, he might not have even been 18 years old yet, but he had already developed a reputation as being a bit of a good do-gooder. Maybe even a bit of a goody two-shoes, as some might even say, but he was trying to learn medicine, and he was trying to help people, and he even did rescues down the, 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 the town's local swimming hole. He was a sweet kid, but 
but but but but buddy, he was green as hell around the ears, you might say. Mm-hmm. Now, now some some say that Kyle had no business even riding up against that BLM gang. But there was another livery asking for help just down the street from from the other one. As a matter of fact, that had just been torched. Well, when the sun fell, another night of BLM burning and looting, it commenced. Well, the pale rider grabbed his gun and stood out in front of that livery like a natural born man. This one BLM, BLM member, name was Rosenbach, nasty varmint child molester. He came at Pale Rider first, tried to take Kyle's gun from him. Next thing you know, all you hear, bah, bah, bah. Young Kyle stood his ground. Rosenball went down, hit him right between the eyes. Well now, old Kyle was in for it then. The whole BLM gang was charging at him, chasing him down the street. He's surrounded. He's taking blows one after another. One BLM guy even jumped, kicked Kyle. Pow! Son of a bitch guy named Hubert. Now he was a domestic abuser. Well, he takes a plank from a buckboard and starts welling on Kyle like he's crazy. Well, then he starts trying to take Kyle's gun. Next thing you know, you hit back. Hell Rider strikes again. Goodbye, Hubert. Then we had one final BLM thug. His name was Gage. He's a hard drinking gunslinger. He too had been in and out of jail and he comes at Kyle appointing his six shooter right at our hero. Well, he looks at Pell, looks like our hero Pell Riders finished. And somehow or another old Kyle gets the drop on Gage. Next thing you know, bang! Down goes Gage! Down goes Gage! The final outlaw. The pale rider then saddled up his horse, rode out of town. He went and turned himself in to the next marshal in the next town. You know, some people blamed him for crossing state lines, but when he went to trial, the jury set him free. Peace was restored to Kenosha. What you think about that there, butter? It makes me think of a little song. The pale rider rode into town. Good folks were in peril and buildings burned down. Armed with his honor and the Patriot's creed. He stared down the barrel and defended the streets. Some called him an outlaw, some called him a shame, some called him a hero as they hauled Kyle away. That's beautiful, bud. That's beautiful. I think you made some great points. I don't think they discredit my point and my overall point is like, the reason why it was difficult for me 
initially and perhaps a larger audience to, to grasp what you're fully saying is because you've made George Floyd part of the discussion of it. And George Floyd has, that story has been unpacked in an unsophisticated way, leaning into the racial aspect of it, so it becomes polarizing and distracting, and I can't actually hear what you're saying because I'm bogged down into the conversation about George Floyd and race and blah, blah, blah. And so that has been my argument is like, I think you're right, because I've tried to point to people, I was like, hey, you wanna see the police completely out of control in a way that makes what happened with George Floyd looked like a, a fly on an elephant's ass. Go look at the video of Daniel Shaver at a La Quinta Inn in Mesa, Arizona, assassinated by the there police. It there it is. It's it's a it's an assassination. Richard Lee. He was just the the, the guy. Uh, you know, it was about a week back. He was in a motor. He was in a uh, he was in a scooter. He was a handicapped. wheelchair. Yeah, in a wheelchair. In a wheelchair. Yes. Yeah, white guy in a wheelchair, assassinated. But my point to you is, my point to you is, we cannot continue to let the media industrial complex dictate the way we engage with conversations and the nuance that we utilize when we critically think about these issues. I'm perfectly able to separate Donald Trump saying sons of bitches from his conversations about China and authoritarianism and bad trade deals. Just like I'm able to separate George Floyd being on fentanyl and, and not complying with Derek Chauvin kneeling on his back way longer than he needed to and what it implies about the state, their training of officers, their intention to intimidate a free people and, and, and disincentivize us from banding together and revolting against the corruption that exists in the foundations of this country. I'm able to do that. And, I, and the reason why I would bring George Floyd and hold that flag and say, no, this is the example, because I want other people to be able to do it. Don't let them draw you into some some three card Monty about race and BLM. And I was out there with the BLM advocates and I couldn't disagree more with them fundamentally on a political level. And guess what I did? I decried each and every last one of them in person when they tried to bring that BS woke nonsense into that into that arena. I said, no, 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 no. Don't say that all cops are uh, the police. Don't say the whole system is guilty because you don't believe that because Planned Parenthood is the system. The medical industrial complex is the system. The, the, the Federal Reserve is the system. Apple is the system. So you don't really mean the whole system is guilty. And they didn't like me for that. And they did want to push me away and substitute me for uh, a black woman who'd be more friendly to the whole rainbow, the new neo-rainbow coalition movement. So I agree with you completely. All I'm saying is, and, and pushback is, we're critical thinkers. We can pull these things apart Let's not stoop down to an audience that has been manipulated by a, meta, a media industrial complex that has become very good at manipulation and polarization. We can't give in to polarization. We have to fight back against that as well. We've landed on common ground. Doesn't surprise me. I knew we would get there if we talked about this long enough because I, I, I certainly my, over the last 10 years that we've been having this discussion, going all the way back to Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and all, all this stuff, is like, hey man, police do overstep their power and they abuse it. 
and there should be restraints on that. But the strategy we're using to go about that, to trying to affect that change and improvement in law enforcement is very polarizing and is working to disc, because at the end of the day, cops are working class people doing what politicians tell them to do. And that's why I was so upset. Colin Kaepernick and these guys taking knees on football fields. I was like, hey man, get your lazy ass up and go to downtown your city where a city council meets. That's who makes the rules for the police to follow. Go, why would you dirty up your profession and where you make money, why not go, and again, people get upset with me when I say this, but I could care less. Those people on January the 6th took their problems right where they should have taken them, to the lawmakers. I love it. And I don't care who doesn't like it. And that's why they're being treated like the worst human beings on the planet. How dare you confront the real people that are ruining your lives? You Trump supporters, go join the KKK and go fight with black people. That's what we've trained you to do and that's what the system rewards. Don't you ever bring your ass back up in here dealing with us because you might wake up an idiot black person who may realize I shouldn't be worried about your working class ass. You just like me. You That's may right. inspire one of those idiots to bring their ass up in here and question me. That's been my whole problem. And look, I agree with you 100%. And I think we've been on common ground since the beginning. I'm, I'm a bit different. Some people, some people like to stay away from a group where they see that they've lost the logic. Me, I'm like, I'll go over the, over the hill and into that fray, jump in the pile and believe that I could come out and change their minds. Or at least frustrate them enough to, to understand that there's some real pushback that they can't ignore. Like I'm, I'm more in your face. So there's that. Uh, and I dealt with that, right? Like I'm not a black lives matter advocate. I think black lives matter is corrupt as the day is long. I think the spirit and the ethos of their entire, uh, grassroots method is predicated on corruption and manipulation and a sleight of hand. And I think it is a, an attack on white men, heterosexual white men specifically, but it'll double down. It'll double back for black men and, and really any other heterosexual men um, when when it needs to. Uh, and, and it'll chew on other parts of their own identity categories, which is, again, why I don't agree with Marxism. I see how how that plays out. Um, but to your point about January 6th. I, I think that you. I think that you make my point completely when we talk about January 6th. I think January 6th is the linchpin. Of, of where we are today. Because to me, I saw a federal government tell the American people on both sides of the aisle, not just Democrats, but your Mitch McConnells and the, the, the neocons and the rhinos and, and all of these Republicans who capitulate. I saw all of them tell the American people under no circumstances are federal buildings in play when it comes to hostile protest or or revolution and and i wrote a letter to the united nations i haven't published it yet but 
But it, it speaks to this exactly. And I also wrote a letter to Governor Waltz shortly after the George Floyd incident. And I said, state elected officials are going to have to stand up against the tyranny of the federal government that no longer can the meaning of community be undermined by the grandiosity of our federal government. So we have to separate the petty gossip that goes on on the grassroots level and the sleight of hand and three card Monty, the color game of race, black, white, they snatched the green. And we have to be able to say, there's a bigger question here about authoritarianism, the scope of government, and what's the proper, what's the proper role in our lives every day as citizens on a national level, state level, local level, et cetera. And absolutely, we're not gonna have a perfect government, but we're $30 trillion in the national debt. And the, the average American family still can't put $500 together. That's not, that's not, uh, not perfection. That's a Ponzi scheme. That's the biggest financial crime in the history of humanity. A, a, a financial crime that if you or I had cooked it up, if you and I had defrauded anybody out of a million dollars, out of $10 million, they would slam us. And if we, did, if we resisted, they would kill us. Nancy Pelosi, AOC, Mitch McConnell, the list goes on and on and on. They've all been a part, uh, uh, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, uh, the Bushes, they've all been a part of this scheme to transfer wealth at an uh, uh, abhorrent rate. And they don't want the people of January 6th to bring their grievances to the White House. We see what the issue is right there. And I wish I would have been there on January 6th. And I hope that the next time black people don't sit that out uh, out of being uh, confused or manipulated by the, the liberal media. Well, Royce, I got to let you go. I really appreciate this. We're going to do it again uh, very soon. You're helping me get through the holidays so I can enjoy time with my family. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to end on this note because I want to be crystal clear. Uh, and I don't care who likes it, doesn't like it, it's irresponsible. Those people on January 6th have all my respect. They had a problem, and they went and confronted the people they had a problem with. And if you're so stupid, and I apologize earlier for cussing, you guys know I'm trying to work on my language, and these are holiday specials, and I need to do better, but I do get upset and emotional on some of these issues. And if you're so stupid that you can't see that the elite, the politicians and corporate media are basically standing up and using these January 6th people to tell the rest of you, don't you question a damn thing we do. We're in power here. You have none. If you're so blinded by CNN and MSNBC and everybody, all the other race pimps that are out there that got you focused, everything is race, 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 black, white, black, 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 white, black, white, black, white, black, black, that you can't see what's really going on, that they told you and everybody else with the way they've handled this January the 6th thing, sit down, shut up, we're in control, we run this country, you do exactly what you're told, you're dogs. They told every one of us that whether you're black, white, skinny, or fat, rich or poor. They run this, and you shut up and do what you're told. And that's why Royce is saying there are those of us that believe in freedom, 
and those of you that want to be ruled. I want to be free. I don't want to be ruled, and those people are trying to rule us. I hear tomorrow. Happy holidays. I didn't mean to get this heated on the holiday. Love y'all. Can't wait to get back after the holidays. I just want to be, I just want to be, I just want to be, I just want to be.